0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new and exciting episode of Cyber Prophets. Cyber Prophets, the podcast where we are prophesizing the future of technology. I am here once again with my co-host and brother from another modern, Federico.
1: Welcome, everyone. Hopefully, this time you're going to learn new topics that are going to enrich your knowledge and you will be able to empower yourself to new levels.
0: Last week, we talked about cloud native. What was that? If you haven't watched the video, the link is on the description. But now, we're going to talk about the counterpart, and that is cloud agnostic. What is cloud agnostic? We're going to go through, first of all, the concept, what does it mean? We're going to give you some examples, and we're going to evaluate what are the advantages and disadvantages of using this approach. Let's go for it. First of all, what is cloud agnostic? According to an official definition, cloud agnostic refers to tools, platforms or applications that are compatible with any cloud infrastructure. That might be a very key phrase, compatible with any cloud infrastructure. And this can be moved to and from different cloud environments without any operational issues. Now, how does this concept sound to you, Federico? What can you say about it?
1: Well, generally speaking, Cloud Agnostic is any application that you know that are well used in the market that you can transfer between Azure, Google Cloud, AWS, or if you have other clouds that are smaller, you will be able to move your entire projects without doing any special adjustments.
0: Mm -hmm. Do you have any experience creating cloud diagnostic applications? Yeah. yeah. And what kind of tools can be used for this purpose?
1: Well, one of them was SQL Server because some of our solutions were in Azure and then we moved them to AWS. And during the transition, we moved the entire back. And we created a bak file that is a backup and we transferred it from Azure to AWS to AWS, we were doing any adjustments. it was just normal SQL. We imported the database and it was there. In less than two hours, the full move was done.
0: Okay, yeah. And the cloud native alternative would have been to use Azure SQL, right? Yeah, SQL Azure will have been the option. SQL
1: Azure. Very likely you will have had a lot of issues because SQL Azure and SQL Server are not the same application they are similar i'm still wondering why microsoft didn't create a proper sql azure compatibility and there are many things are not available and the other way around there are some things that will be available in sql azure that are not available in sql server and you might need to do a lot of adjustments if you need to do any transfer
0: yeah okay so this this is something related to the databases and what about the lambda functions that we were talking about last time
1: yeah, that's also tricky because in the Azure functions are not exactly the same as the Lambda functions. The Lambda functions have their own libraries and you need to do every adjustment. For example, there is the EFS that is a shared drive that exists in AWS, but it doesn't exist in Azure. So when mm-hmm. you do these transfers, you need to reconfigure it in the other in the opposite. You might need to see if every single library or solution exists. In the majority of cases, there might be some equivalence, but not necessar- necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we were doing the migration of the Azure functions, it was not pleasant at all because many things were not the same. And in some cases, the easy solution was just to rewrite them from scratch trying to meet the oh. same. Yeah. You we, we
0: went to that level though
1: yeah have read
0: everything
1: from scratch yeah well i will say that some part of the logic like the generic functions stay the same reading the csvs but not the part of connecting with the infrastructure and that wasn't nice mm-hmm. but it was a risk well not a risk it was a requirement because we had to move from Azure to AWS and the option is well you just have to do it there is no Plan B.
0: And under which circumstances can this happen that you will have to move from one cloud to another?
1: Agreements between companies or disagreements so that you get a better offer. Okay. And that's what so we, it's all
0: about. It's all about the money, would you yeah. say? The yeah.
1: Budget. I had a similar experience that it was all about the budget that the client, were, well, there was an agreement between the, the company and the provider. The pro, AWS provided a better offer, and then it was like, well, you must move everything and that's all
0: and you just got orders from management that you yeah. need to migrate everything from one yeah. cloud to the other
2: yeah
0: and did they did they actually uh, okay so this this is something interesting because they might reduce the cost uh, of what they are paying for the use of the cloud however if they at some point develop cloud-native applications that will um, that would require a huge change, right? Writing everything from scratch, it may go as far as that. So when this happens, do they consider, like, does management, in the case uh, that you mentioned, does management consider that they might have also some cloud-native um cloud native applications running somewhere.
1: No, in that case, it was a very big problem because they didn't measure the differences between AWS and Azure. And there were huge, huge changes. There were many problems. There were other issues with Active Directory and so many troubles in the middle Mm -hmm. that the management, I think that the first thing they should have asked us if that was a good idea before taking the decision. Mm -hmm. But uh, many times, I have seen that companies just go because this it sounds cheaper, but in fact it's not.
0: Yeah, because it's a a big process of uh,
1: changing everything, right? Yeah. And like another example of something that I didn't face, but it could have been a bigger issue is that in one case we use Elastic Container Service instead of Kubernetes, that is technically the private source solution of AWS, but if we have needed to go in reverse, it will have been a massive mess. Because first of all, we need to understand how different is the container service provided by Microsoft? I know that they have their own private source solution, but I'm not sure if they look exactly the same. I'm not sure if they offer the same solutions, you need to understand, okay, is it that task? The, the, okay, because the task definition will be a pod in the, in the, let's say Kubernetes terms. The service is still a service, but you need to understand how similar they are. Is the concepts are the same? How much is going to impact? What is going to be the, the difference of the clusters? Do you have the same solutions? and there are too many considerations and in my experience everything is about money and they don't really visualize and migrating my, my solutions is also an expense because it's not that i just move it; it is like they're worrying compatibility issues with efs mm-hmm. and it's a huge problem for us and then it's like yeah but then you need to open ports because ports are not necessarily the same and there are yes. so many drawbacks when you're doing a migration that in some cases, it might not even work. I have a friend who had a similar, another case that they moved everything from AWS to Azure. That was the other opposite side. Okay. Um, the management didn't do the proper research also. And in their cases, they are managing a very intense amount of data in the sense because they are working with maps, but it's <laughs> extremely intense. Okay. Um, uh, the solution didn't exist in, in Azure. It was an equivalent for the amount okay. of data they were handling. They had to roll back everything to AWS after like three or four months of work. Oh, wow. Yeah, because after three Azure,
0: or four months, they rolled back everything.
1: Yeah, because there was not a proper research and Azure didn't support the, the same equivalent of what they were working on. Why? Because, well, I don't know exactly the details behind, but there was something related to the Linux configurations they had, the amount of power that they require, and other details. But in the end, it's like, there was no way to do it. But it was like, no way. And they had basically
0: means a lot of money wasted. A lot of
1: money, a lot of money was wasted.
0: Yeah, I can imagine that. And since we're talking about, like, cloud native and cloud agnostic now, can apps be 100% cloud agnostic?
1: There is a possibility, but in my opinion, you might also involve in certain additional cost Because cloud agnostic has the benefit that from one side you are free to mm-hmm. do whatever you want. But keep in mind, not everything will be cloud agnostic. Like a Virtual private network will not be cloud agnostic, this will be cloud specific. Everything related to the networks inside will not be exactly cloud agnostic because this is how every company handles them. The security groups or like the information and how do you protect the security might not be exactly the same, but these are like, they are major things of course, but I wouldn't say that this is the, when you're working with cloud agnostic, this is not what comes to your mind. It will be the databases, the applications, and of course, you can do everything without lambdas because of the Azure functions, because the, the, what, what this is in the end is a small container. But if you want to emulate even how this works and you would like to do everything with Kubernetes, you, you must be really clever with all the networks, the cost, the efficiency, which if you don't have all the things perfectly aligned and you know exactly the cost, it's going to be more expensive.
0: So what you're saying is that even if I try to develop my application to be 100% cloud agnostic, uh, that will mean that most likely the database and the applications will be cloud agnostic, but there will be still some configuration needed on the cloud side. That will be, let's say, the cloud native part. And this is mostly related to infrastructure. Yeah. Because network...
1: Uh- but in those areas, Terraform can support you. Terraform. That, yeah, Terraform or other solutions like from uh, infrastructure, infrastructure infrastructure, as a code. There are some, uh, some solutions that you can even write them in C Sharp, Java, and other solutions. So yeah, I would say that that area, that's why I don't see it. Even though it's cloud native, it can be handled by other solutions because it's more like, neutral things but when you have like using the lambdas or certain functions or certain databases or certain cache databases might not be possible in uh, and you might need to do certain workarounds reconfigure everything
0: can you give us like a short introduction or a, a short description of what this terraform is terraform is infrastructure as a code
1: it helps you to create like the configuration of the solution you will create like i would like a database that has this configuration i would like this network that is from the ip100 or 185 and you can give all the configurations of the of the net of the basic infrastructure in the cloud that you want to deploy
0: so is it is it like scripts yeah yeah it's it's like a kind of
1: script technically it's a kind of a script and then you can deploy the script in every solution you, you, they might not be like a hundred percent compatible with every solution, but the thing is that at least the infrastructure infrastructure part or the security part most likely can be replicated. But the more you go in depth,
0: is it where you're gonna have more and more challenges. So is this Terraform an industry standard? Is it like it's actually supported by the three yep. biggest cloud providers? Indeed, is
1: it? Terraform is the standard for this.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Terraform. It's like if you wanna work with infrastructure as as a code, Terraform is the number one solution.
0: Then that would be a really good alternative to creating a, a cloud agnostic application, right? Yeah. Okay. Now, I would like to talk with you, Federico, about mm-hmm. the advantages and disadvantages of having a cloud agnostic application. So first of all, it is obvious that one of the advantages is that you avoid uh, the cloud lock Uh since you can migrate from one cloud provider to the other uh, with, let's not call it with no hassle, but with minimum hassle. Uh, Probably if your application is ready for it, there will be still some minor changes, but it won't be something so huge as to keep you locked to a cloud provider. Uh That's one of the big advantages. Um now what are the disadvantages then?
1: Mm, the first one is about cost because even though it sounds cheaper, but if you wanna go fully cloud agnostic, you need to be extremely clever with all the infrastructure. The easiest okay. example: you have Kubernetes that as soon as you create the cluster you create the cluster, it's gonna start charging you money. Uh-huh. Minus one, already you're paying. But if you're using a cloud native solution, you don't pay until you start the service.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The other one is gonna charge you the full amount of the of the cluster. If you oh, have wow. no apps running, it's gonna charge you. If you have no pods running, no services running, it's gonna charge you money. And the only way to save money is that you need to reserve for a year. Cluster or something like that, which is gonna be expensive also because you need to pay in advance a huge amount of money. And what if you don't use it? So wow, yeah. What if you need to resize the cluster because it requires more? What if it requires less resources, fewer resources? So you need to be very, very clever with those decisions. Yeah, from one side it sounds great because I can move all my containers from AWS to Azure, but if I need to be
0: clever with the size of the cluster it's not necessarily so cheap mm, yeah you have to be very cautious about what you're doing right and yeah and, like tweak a bit here tweak a bit over there about all of the small items well they might look small in the configuration but at the end of the day you can receive like a big bill just because you forgot to to tweak something in the in the configuration right?
1: yeah yeah and And you need to also wonder, like, how how great your let's say your architect is has to be, or the people who is supporting those servers. It's a lot of money behind. You need to have very clever people.
2: Uh And if you don't have
1: these people who are really trained, most likely you will experience that the cluster was too small, the cluster was too big. You're wasting a lot of money, and Mm -hmm. is it can increase your cost. It's like if you, instead of running the database in a in a server in a service provided by a company, you're going to decide to run it in a virtual machine. Yeah, of course, you will have a lot of benefits of of, of, of that solution, but on the other hand, you need to install the patches. What, what, what happens if a patch goes wrong? Can yeah, the database wrong. goes off? The, the, the cloud company is not going to support you. You have to figure it out on your own. But in the cloud-native approach, if the database is gone, the company must figure it out how to fix your problem. Mm -hmm. Because they are the ones who are supporting the server. They are the ones who are taking care of the patches. They are the ones who are doing all these these small things.
0: Okay, yeah, that's something that every company has to bear in mind when they are developing cloud-agnostic applications. It is necessary to have experts who know what they are doing especially in terms of uh, saving uh, yeah, for the company, cost saving for the company.
1: At least in my case, I don't like too much the approach of cloud agnostic. It sounds great in paper, but in the real life is that you are not so often changing among companies. We might ex- speak a little bit after when we are speaking, when you're using a multi-cloud approach. But also, a multi cloud approach is not something that you do on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that in a, those scenarios, you might consider like try to build some cloud agnostic, but you need to also understand when you're going to do a multi cloud approach. This is not for every case. I will say that the majority of cases, you will go to the cloud native because it's cheaper. You yeah. need to consider that. In the oh. cloud agnostic, someone has to support those services. Someone has to take care of the of the cloud. So, how much is gonna cost you that person? Let's say the best case scenario, twelve thousand dollars per year. The best case scenario, and yeah. and you need. But if you need to someone that is really clever taking care of all those things, might cost you the double, the triple, and this is an extra cost. Management can easily say, "Yeah, we are gonna go to this approach," and then, and who's gonna take care of that? Twelve thousand dollars. You need to hire someone.
2: Okay.
1: That's a a very optimistic scenario. I don't think that you will get it for such a small amount of money.
0: Yeah, twelve thousand dollars a year. You mean? Or yeah, yeah. I
2: don't
1: think so. You, I don't think you will get them. I think the best case scenario would be sixty thousand or
0: something like that. Yeah, that's that. That sounds more realistic. Yeah, yeah. That sounds more realistic. Because, like, 12,000 will actually mean like 1,000 per month. So, yeah. that's, that's why I was saying the, the you, places, get
1: a- you will get like, someone who will hire a, a very fresh person leaving just the university. But that's a very bad case because, in theory, you need to support these devices. And if you try to automate it, yeah, the patch can go wrong. I faced those experiences in the past. That's why I moved to cloud native because I faced Too many troubles with the cloud agnostic approach. Too many troubles in the past. Mm -hmm. The patches are the worst enemy. I remember that we had a patch that I have no clue what the patch did, but it increased the requirements of our Java virtual machine in 80%. 80%? We had to double the size of the VM. Wow. It was crazy because we had to double it. And we couldn't roll it back, we tried to roll back the patch, it didn't work, it completely screwed the Java virtual machine. Oh no. And for several months the client had to pay. There was no option. Really? It was really bad. And that's one of the reasons why I stopped using the cloud native and the cloud agnostic approach and I became like quite reluctant and moved only to cloud native because in cloud native well we have that locked that we're locked in a way, but I don't think that we're going to move to Google Cloud the next week. Okay. We have been working yeah. with, Azure, with, sorry, with, with AWS for the last two years, and everything is going to, is going great. And I don't think we're going to rolling back to Google Cloud the next week or to Azure or to other solutions.
0: Yeah, but as you mentioned, this decision uh the end of the day comes from management, right? Yeah. So it's something to, to bear in mind. And... I will just now like to summarize what we have been, what we went through today. First of all, cloud agnostic is the approach of developing applications that can be can be deployed in any cloud environment. Uh, call it AWS, Azure, Google Cloud, and also they have the capability or the flexibility of being. You can easily migrate them from one cloud provider to the other. However, it has the disadvantage that you have to be an expert uh, in order to tweak everything and to uh, avoid unnecessary costs uh, on your cloud provider. Because like you are basically deploying everything yourself and uh, not following any like recommended or like any native uh, uh, things from the cloud so you have to be careful about that and that could probably incur in several costs related to the experts that you will need to hire in order to to have all of this knowledge available for you and on that note i would like to close the episode for today and don't forget next week we're going to talk about the alternative to both of these cloud native, cloud agnostic, and the alternative is Federico? Multi-cloud. Multi-cloud approach. Yes, that's going to be the topic for our next week. So tune in, don't forget to subscribe, share the link with everyone you know, and see you then again until next week.